The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Live from Liverpool, the dark paranormal. Hi everyone, this is a little bonus episode of The Dark Paranormal to whet your appetite for next week's Season 7 premiere. As you'll all be aware, in Season 7 we once again take a deep look at your true paranormal experiences. And in reply to our shout-out for submissions, we received so many amazing stories. But of course, we can only have 10 that we give The Dark Paranormal treatment to. Of course, that means that not everyone who submitted a story will be featured in Season 7. However, that takes nothing away from just how terrifying and thought-provoking some of those submissions were. Therefore, in today's bonus episode, we're going to shine a light on some of those emails that were received, and although they won't feature in Season 7, still deserve an audience. As this is a bonus prelude episode to Season 7, Today's stories won't feature any sound effects or any amendments from me. We will, of course, have the atmospheric music playing in the background. However, today's submissions will be read 100% as written by the submitter. This episode is a series of terrifying starters to next week's main course. But before we take a deep dive into some of these submissions for Season 7, we, of course, need to thank our wonderful Patreons. When you join our team over at Patreon... Not only do you receive these episodes ad-free and before anyone else. Yes, that's right. Our Patreons will receive the season premiere before it hits any of the main podcasting sites. But you also receive a Patreon-only podcast each and every week called Dark Bites. There's currently over 50 episodes of Dark Bites for you to binge on on that Patreon feed. And of course, it means during these last few weeks of radio silence our Patreons still receive their weekly true paranormal fix. We've built a wonderful team of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over at our Patreon page, and we'd like to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Head over to patreon.com forward slash thedarkparanormal and be one of the first to hear the season premiere of Season 7 when it's released next week, just like these wonderful new team members will. Andrew Kramer, Olivia Jade, Desiree Funk, Viarella aka Lily, Maribel Ramirez-Gonzalez, Rashad Callahan, Sarah Graham, Netatella Chinda, Irish Wristwatch, Carolyn Ware, Wendy, Samantha Davis, Shonda, Emma Grace Coyle, Samantha Carolan, Charles Williams, Brittany Van Winkle, Daniela Staples, Mr. Butler, Alexander Moffat, Alex Hunter, Teresa Aberdeen, Rashan Callahan, Kirsty Cargyle, Tony G, Abby, Shane Parker, Elijah Burnett, Stephanie Buzzell, Nathan, Beth Smith, Lauren Gray, Charlotte and Alison. Phew, made it. There's always a bit of a build-up when we have a few weeks off. So thank you so much for the support, guys. If you'd like to join them, become part of our paranormal community, and hear the debut episode of Season 7 before anyone else, head over to patreon.com forward slash thedarkparanormal. 
But now for this one-off episode, in preparation for next week, let's lower the lights, make yourself comfortable, and most importantly, leave your disbelief at the door, as we hear just a small selection of some of the submissions for Season 7, your true listener paranormal experiences. This is the red light and the Ouija board, sent in by Kimberly. My name is Kimberly, and I have an experience that I'd like to share with you. The background of this story is set in a small college town in Virginia in the US. I was about eight years old when we, my mum, my brother and myself, moved in with my aunt Tricia. The house my aunt was renting was a three-bedroom, two-bathroom old Victorian house on a quiet street in our little town. This house was absolutely gorgeous. When you first pull up to the house, its wraparound covered porch was the first thing you saw. The front door was a wooden front door that looked kind of plain compared to the rest of the house. So you walk into a large foyer and the stairs leading upstairs. This foyer had wood-covered walls wrapped all the way around it. It had recessed panels and a beautiful window that sat high on the wall opposite the stairs. Then turning to the left, there's a large living room with a big fireplace. Above the fireplace in the ceiling was a vent that you could see straight up through, allowing the heat to rise to the second floor back in the old days, I suppose. French doors opened up into a huge dining room, and to the right was a door. That door was my bedroom. My closet was the literal underside of the staircase. In my room, if you look to the left, there was another door that led to my very own bathroom. And in the bathroom, there was another door which led into the kitchen. The kitchen was relatively small, though it had all the essentials that you'd need. The pantry in the kitchen, however, was really large. And you could easily fit four grown adults and a couple of kids in there. Across the street from my aunt's house was a park and a Catholic church. It was in the early 80s and fairly safe for children. The reason we were moving in with my aunt was because the home we were vacating was intense. Things moving on their own, strange noises and talking. My mother no longer felt safe there and so we moved across town to my aunt's. I was so excited. You see, we're a very large, close family. My mum is the third child of eight children, and this way we were closer to the family unit. So, we move in, and everything's okay. I had my own room for the first time in eight years, and was so excited. Plus, my downstairs room had its own bathroom, so I was super excited. Our first night there, my brother and I slept with mum, because we hadn't gotten our room set up yet. The uncles were coming the next day with all the furniture for our rooms, so the first night was all quiet, but the house still felt heavy. Not dark, just heavy. Fast forward a few weeks and we're all sleeping in our own rooms, or so I thought. Let me backtrack just a tad. Since I'd started sleeping downstairs, from the first night... I had nosebleeds. Bad nosebleeds. Something I'd never suffered with before. My mum said it had to be the heat of the summer. But we had the air conditioning on, so I'm not sure if it was the heat, or maybe it was just being dry. It was summertime, so my brother and I, during the day as kids, would stay in the park 90% of the day. 
My youngest aunt, Donna, would stay with us, but she stayed at the house. My aunt Trisha was a partier, and so was my mum. They would have friends over on various weekends and sit up and have drinks in the backyard by the fire pit, while I stayed in the house with my brother and kept him busy, playing or watching TV or such. One such night, my aunt had her boyfriend and one of his friends over. Mum was working the closing shift at a restaurant in town and wasn't yet home. My brother and I were sitting on the sofa watching TV when one of the guys came in to use the bathroom. They used my bathroom since it was downstairs. He comes out of the bathroom and waves to me and my brother. And then, out of thin air, a red ball of light forms right in front of his face. Probably seven or eight feet from him. He was just as startled as my brother and I were. It started moving closer and closer to him, and it would pulsate red, then blue. I had no idea what was going on, as I'd never seen anything like it before. It chased this fully grown man straight out the back door and then disappeared. I was in shock, I guess, my eight-year-old mind trying to process what I'd just witnessed. Aunt Trisha came in storming and asked what we'd done to chase the guy out of the house because she didn't believe what the guy had told her. I still hadn't spoken and apparently wasn't looking well because her anger changed to concern for us. My brother, being five, didn't have that problem and he told her what we saw. She just sat down and stared into the dining room. Finally, I snapped out of my shock and burst out laughing because all my mind could come up with was that one of my uncles was hiding in the house somewhere playing a prank. Mum got home, and we told her what had happened, and she looked at us with disbelief, but we all just let it go. That night, however, I was asleep in my room, and mind you, I am a very heavy sleeper. Everyone always has a hard time trying to get me to wake up. That night, though, something woke me up. I still to this day have no idea what it was, but once I awoke, I heard walking on the staircase. Figuring someone was coming down to get something to drink, I rolled over to try and get back to sleep. But the footsteps stopped outside of my door, and I felt like I was being watched. So I turned back over, and there was no one there. There was a streetlight outside that illuminated the living room, and the dining room so I could see inside. And that's when I felt it. My nose was running. But as I wiped my nose, I looked down, and there was blood. Great, I thought. Just what I need, another nosebleed. I did everything I could to try and get it to stop, but I couldn't. I ran upstairs to my mum and woke her up. She saw my face and gasped. She said, what did you do? I told her what had happened and she took me into the bathroom. It took about half an hour to get it to stop. We went back downstairs and we both stopped right outside the dining room. The French doors, that were very heavy and squeaked when you closed them, were closed. My mum asked me why I'd closed the doors and I explained that they were open when I ran up the stairs to her room. So we just turned around and I slept with her and my brother that night. You see, my brother had been sleeping with my mum since the first night. 
he told my mum that his bed kept shaking and he couldn't get to sleep because of it. So as to not have a fight every night, she let him sleep with her. Now, fast forward to Halloween. My family loved to celebrate any and every holiday. We all loved Halloween and would play pranks on each other and see who would scare who. Well, my Uncle Scott had been waiting for us as we got home from school and he said he had a prank that he wanted to play on my mum and Auntie Tricia. We thought it was great, so we went in. I got my brother settled to do his homework and a snack and I sat by him to do mine. Scott was upstairs working on his prank and as he comes downstairs to say that he's set it up, we all hear a loud bang. Looking at him, he cursed and ran back upstairs, thinking his prop for his prank had fallen over. I was hot on his heels going up the steps, and he stopped but I didn't and I ran right into the back of him. His prop was still there, but we all heard a bang. Confused, we searched the entire upstairs and found nothing out of place. We went back downstairs, but we heard it again. Back up the stairs we go, to see my brother's bedroom window open. I knew it had been closed, but there it was, open. Then the bang again, and this time we saw the window slam down. He said, OK, I'm going to get someone to fix this. I go back to my brother who's sitting on the sofa watching cartoons. I finish my homework and we're getting ourselves ready for when my mum gets home to go trick-or-treating. My uncle is back and he's upstairs fixing my brother's window, nailing it shut and then nailing a board across the sash so it can't open. My mum and Aunt Donna come in and my uncle's prop goes flying down the stairs as the front door opens. They both let out a scream. You see, he'd rigged a ghost to fly down the steps when they opened the front door. Oh, my brother and I were laughing so hard. And that year, Halloween scares went to Scott. Now we're at Christmas time, and Trisha had stayed after work for her Christmas party. She came home knocked down drunk. My mum and I had to get her out of the car and get her upstairs to bed. We helped her get into the bathroom, and when she was done we put her in bed. Now, mum made sure we put her in the middle of the bed so she wouldn't roll out and hit the floor. Mum and I got back into bed. I'd started sleeping with her because I would wake up every night from night terrors and nosebleeds. So she just told me to sleep with her and my brother. We'd not been in bed very long and we heard my aunt screaming and cussing. Mum and I went to her door to check on her and we found her on her knees in bed, holding the top part of the covers and pulling at them, but the bottom part of her covers were hovering above the bed, being pulled in the opposite direction. She screamed at whatever was pulling the covers to let them go. It was like a tug of war, and I am dumbfounded. Finally, she, in her drunken stupor, screams at this unseen entity that if they don't let go of her covers, she is going to kill them. The covers drop, Trisha mutters thank you, and lays back down. Now I am scared. I have never before or since seen anything like that. Mum gets me back to bed and just says everything will be okay. After that, though, things got a lot worse. 
In the middle of the night, we would hear things in my brother's room being moved and knocked around. Doors and windows opening and closing. Being alone in the house no longer felt safe. Someone was always watching. We did everything in pairs, showers, bathroom, sleeping. No one went anywhere in this house alone. By the time my birthday rolled around, we were all sleeping in the living room and my aunt's best friend's teenage son had moved in with us, Greg. Greg the teenager and my aunt had decided to have a Ouija board session to try and figure out what was going on in the house and to ask it to stop. Well, two days before my birthday in January, they have this session. Light bulbs literally exploded. Candles blew out and nothing was right after that. The board was taken out of the house, only to be found back inside the house. Let's have a quick break to talk to you about Policy Genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank account. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where Policy Genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step by step through the entire process. But the best thing about Policy Genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to-do list with Policy Genius. So head over to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. On my ninth birthday, I had two friends sleep over with me. We had had a party and my friends were all asleep on the living room floor. When one of the girls shook me awake and pointed to the dining room, There, at the dining room table, sat Greg, with a white figure walking around the table. Greg would push his chair back as if to get up, and the thing would be right behind him pushing him back 
under the table. He did this several times, waiting for it to get opposite him, and then pushed back only to have this thing right behind him, pushing him back under. I woke my mum. She said, what? And turned on the lamp and it went away. No one could explain that. But my mum and Trisha decided to get rid of the dining room table and put in a pool table. Even that didn't help. We would still see either a white figure walking round it or a black figure walking around it. Pool balls would be thrown around the room, pool sticks knocked to the floor. No one slept a lot in that house. One day my brother and I were home from school and were in the living room playing Atari. The TV was in front of the fireplace which never worked anyway. But as we were playing, we heard walking. I looked up through the vent in the ceiling and saw a woman in a black dress and old-timey black ankle boots walking across the vent. I snatched up my brother and we went and sat on the porch until my mum got home about an hour later. She got home and asked me what the hell we were doing sitting outside in the cold. I told her what had happened. She immediately goes upstairs and looks back at me and says, Kimberly Renee, there is no one in this house. I don't care that no one was there then. I just knew what I had seen. We had an Easter dinner for the family at our house that year and everyone in the family came. All of us kids were in the foyer playing, which would have been set up as a play area for us, so we would stay out of the adults' hair. I can't remember exactly what we were playing, but one of my cousins leaned against one of the panels on the wall, and it opened. We were super excited, thinking we would find treasure or something. I go ask my mum for a flashlight, and she asked me why, so I told her. She came in there to look at what we'd found, but now the panel would not open. Mum shot me a look of complete exasperation, and went back into the living room. Us kids, meanwhile, were all looking at this panel like, what in the world? Then it opened again at a push from my cousin. I got my brother to go and get mum. As she rounded the corner into the foyer, it closed again and wouldn't open. This happened like seven or eight times. The adults were now getting annoyed with us kids for bothering them. You have to understand that there were like 14 of us kids in this foyer seeing this panel open. But every time an adult would walk in the area, it would close and wouldn't open again until they were gone. Finally, we all ate and cleaned up and went outside for family pictures. Forgetting about the panel in the foyer completely. For the summer, we went with my mum's boyfriend on a camping trip and were gone for two weeks. It was great. There were no nosebleeds, no night terrors, just complete peace. But we had to go home at the end of summer. School was about to start back and we had to get stuff ready for that. The nosebleeds and night terrors returned with a vengeance. I actually developed insomnia and to this day I still suffer from it, 39 years later. During the night I could hear walking up and down the stairs, doors closing, whispering everywhere. It was like the walls were talking to each other. Trisha told my mum that they'd done another Ouija board session whilst we were gone, and they talked to someone, someone who had previously lived in the house. 
I can't remember if it was one session or several, but it charged the atmosphere in the house to an unbearable degree. Lights would turn on and off by themselves. The water in the shower would go from warm to scalding whilst taking a shower. It was bad. I stayed at the park across the street as much as possible whilst it was warm. My brother and I would do our homework on the picnic tables and wait for an adult to get home. I couldn't sleep whilst inside the house, so I would climb a tree in the park and just nap. Not a good thing for anyone to do, much less a kid of ten. That would be the last year we stayed in that house. One night, as we were all watching a movie, we hear the loudest crash from upstairs. I mean it shook the entire house. My aunt and mum look at us and tell us to stay together as we all go to investigate. Trish's room first. Nothing out of place. Then mum's room. And again, nothing out of place. Next, my brother's room. At first, all seemed like it was in order. Then, we noticed the board laying on the floor, with eight screws still in it. It was the board my uncle had screwed into the window seal to keep it from opening and closing over a year before. The screws were in the board and the window was open. It hadn't been ripped out, it hadn't been unscrewed, it just looked like the screws had been placed in the board and laid on the floor. We were all looking at this board, like, what were we seeing? Then the window slammed shut. We heard a door slam shut from somewhere downstairs and the lights started flickering. Well, that was the last night in that house. We all went to my grandmother's that night. My mum and her boyfriend decided to get married, so we moved to a different town. And since leaving that house, I've never had another night terror nor a nosebleed. As I stated at the beginning of my story, there is a Catholic church across the street from this house. Years later, I went back to see the house as I cannot forget it. The house is no longer there. I did find out that after we moved, several other families had stayed there, but never stayed out their leases. Then the last family that was there had a house fire, and they decided not to repair it, but sold the land to the church. The house was torn down, and now a new annex of the church is where the house once stood. But now, to the really weird part of my story. I've been trying to find out why these paranormal things were happening in this house. Was it the Ouija board? Was it just the land? What was it? Well, according to the National Historic Society in the town, the house never existed. There are no land deeds. There is no record of this house that my family lived in for two years. Not only that, I've told you about the Easter family pictures that we took pictures of every holiday and every birthday. No one that was ever there or took the pictures have any picture of that house. No one. I have a very large family as I stated earlier. No one has a single picture of the house, either outside or inside. I am the only one that can remember the layout of the house to a T. I remember the layout of the furniture in each room. 
This house has followed me throughout my life and I still feel like it's attached to me. How is this possible if no records can be found of the place? Is what was in the house attached to me? I have had other paranormal experiences in my life since that house, but nothing like the house. Thank you for taking this time to read my story. Wow, Kimberly, what a truly amazing story. I've never heard anything like that in relation to a house that you lived in that apparently never existed. And I'm sure you'll all now understand why I had to do a bonus episode to still include some of these amazing, true paranormal stories which have been sent my way. I'll be perfectly honest with you, Kim. The vision of that young lad sat at the table, trying to get out and stand up, and a white figure walking around the table and pushing him back under, that's going to stick with me for a good while. That's genuinely sent a chill right down my spine. We're going to sign off this bonus episode with an email that came in from Jess, entitled, Shadow People and Sleep Talking. Growing up, I've always felt sensitive to the other side. This is a culmination of stories that I've experienced, the first one being at Victoria's Black Swan Inn, located in San Antonio, Texas. The inn resides where the Battle of Salado took place. When I was about nine or ten years old, I convinced my mum to drive past the inn, as I always seen signs for it near the thrift store that we'd go to. It was a Sunday afternoon when we drove near it. I noticed a horse in the front yard tied up and wanted to check on it, so I told my mum I would be right back. As I got out of the car, I felt this overwhelming eerie presence. The air felt thick. I felt drawn to the front door and I slowly approached the porch. I know how cliche it sounds, but the closer I got to the front door, the heavier the air felt and the darker the presence got. When I was just inches away from the door, it opened. I looked up at the white wooden door, now open, and saw a tall, dark, shadowy figure standing in the doorway. In shock, I heard my mum yell from the car, Get in the car, now! I ran back to the car and my mum immediately took off. I knew, based on her reaction, that she too had seen this mysterious shadow figure. Keep in mind, my mum has always been very religious and against anything paranormal. She wanted to prove both of us wrong that we didn't see anything and that it was our imagination. So she decided to call the inn owner. When the owner picked up the phone, my mum explained that we were outside of the inn and wanted to take a tour of the place and potentially get a room to stay. The owner replied, I'm sorry, no one is at the inn currently. We're all at a funeral. My mum said, But we just saw somebody open the front door. To which the owner replied, That's impossible. No one's home, I'm sorry. My mum hung up the phone and looked at me in pure shock. What we had saw was not human. I will never forget the feeling of dread walking towards that place. Fast forward to the age of 19 when I moved out of my hometown for college and I was living alone. I started watching old ghost adventure episodes when I stumbled upon one about the Black Swan Inn. At first, I didn't think anything of it. 
I was just cooking and had it on as some background noise. That is, until I stumbled upon the scene where Zack is interviewing the little girl who lives there. The owner and her two children resided in the home, and the episode took place around when the little girl must have been around my age at the time of my visit. Anyway, Zack asks her if she's ever seen anything in her home, and she says that she saw a shadow person in her room. This, along with many accounts from people who've worked or visited the inn, say there's an ominous presence there. A dark presence. This confirmed my sighting and I finally had closure. In the same town I lived in for college, I happened to go exploring downtown one day and wandered into an old building. Immediately I got into the elevator and felt drawn to the fifth floor. I can't explain why, but I just did. In the elevator, the walls are lined with mirrors, and the doors open to the fifth floor, and I felt like I wasn't supposed to be there. So I hurried downstairs and walked back to my car. In the car, I decided to investigate the history of the hotel, and it turns out employees report the fifth and sixth floor to have the most paranormal activity. I also found out that the original owner died on the property. He unfortunately fell out of the window trying to help someone repair the sign. My last story takes place at the apartment my boyfriend at the time, now husband, lived in. It was a small one-bedroom apartment where we stayed and I always had an uneasy feeling in the bedroom, especially the closet. The closet just had a creepy vibe to it. To make things even more strange, inside the closet were the words no fear, written in red ink on the wall that was painted over, but still sheer enough so that you could read them. I would usually sleep facing that closet and would always feel like I was being watched. Cabinets would open and our TV would turn on in the bedroom, but the spirit never felt dangerous. One night I finally fell asleep after feeling uneasy, and I woke up to a heavy feeling on my chest and I felt like I couldn't breathe. Apparently, I talked in my sleep, and turned to my husband and said, he showed me how he died, and then fell back asleep. I have no recollection of telling him that. But after that night, we told the ghost, look, you can stay here, and we won't bother you as long as you don't hurt us or the cats. We've never had any other incidents besides the occasional TV turning on and off. Thank you for listening to my stories. I hope it's not too long. I love your podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jess, for sending that true paranormal experience in. What's really interesting there, and also quite a rarity, is that validation that you seem to have got from watching that Ghost Adventures episode. One of the most common things that I hear from people who report paranormal experiences is their lack of validation and how stressful and hard it is to get people to either believe you or to form some sort of corroborating evidence. So I'm pleased, even through the unlikely guise of Zach Bagans, that that's what you managed to achieve. Okay, so I hope these two small tales have whet your appetite in anticipation of next week's premiere of Season 7 of the dark paranormal. It truly is shaping up to be the best season yet, and I personally prefer 
the true listener paranormal experiences over the apparent famous cases. So I'm really looking forward to the next few weeks. Thank you to everyone who submitted a paranormal experience for season seven. And even if it does not get used, please rest assured I do read and get freaked out by each and every submission. Don't forget, if you want to be amongst the first to hear the season premiere, head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. And of course, there will be a new weekly episode of Dark Bites for our Patreons between now and the season seven start next week. So until next week and the start of season seven, remember, if you're discussing the paranormal, always try and leave some of your disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next week for Season 7 of The Dark Paranormal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.